106.7 WTLC FM Greenwood, Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on. In and around Indy. It's Open Lines Live. What's going on? From the Race Gilman Northeast Kia Studios on 106.7 WTLC. Hold up. It is 8 o'clock. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the beautiful view of the Monument Circle Studios here at 106.7 WTLC and Hot 100.9 on this Sunday, first Sunday of February, February 4th, 2024. On the show today, we're getting you caught up on what is happening at the State House. We've talked the past couple of weeks about how important your vote is, how important every little thing that happens at the State House, even at City Hall, how important it is. So today, we'll get a check on what's going on inside of the state capitol. Representative Earl Harris Jr. is standing by to give us an update on what's happening there as well as what is happening with the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus as that is the um, caucus that he is chair of. We'll talk with the representative coming up here in just a moment. Plus, getting into politics is a difficult thing, something that a lot of people don't want to do, but coming up at 8.30, we'll introduce you to a lady who wants to do exactly that. We'll tell you why and how she could be one of a very, 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 very small club of black state senators here in Indiana. We'll introduce you to Raven Rigel if you don't already know her. Coming up this morning at 8.30. The number today to call in as we get talking about politics, 317-634-1075. 317-634-1075. As you know, we're at a new location. Well, maybe you don't know. We're at a new location. We're on Monument Circle. And so when the new studio comes, a new phone number. So lock that new number in, 317-634-1075. It is Open Lines live this morning as we talk about politics, getting you caught up on what is happening at the Indiana State House. not to mention it's an election year uh, for governor, for president, and it's shaping up already to be very, very, very interesting. But there's a saying called, all politics is local, and sometimes we just pay attention to what happens, what the president's doing, what's happening in Washington, what so many of the things that we deal with actually start uh, with what's happening at one, the state house, and two, city hall. As we've talked about on this show numerous times, there is a number of things that uh, city hall is trying to do, but in some cases, the state house won't allow them to do. You guys have called this show. I don't know. Somebody's going to call and talk about the potholes. I get it. Um, but we've talked about how that funding formula also has to do a lot with the money that comes from the state house. So we have to pay attention to those places uh, if you want something to get done. The state house is one of those places. Session is in right now. And Representative Earl Harris Jr. joins us on our live line right now. Representative, good morning. Good morning, Cameron. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Thank you for waking up early with us. I know you're probably, are you in Indy or are you up north? No, I'm up north, so oh. I'm an hour behind that's, you guys. That's huh? right. I was like, ooh, he's an hour behind. <laughs> but no less, uh, the job never stops, especially this time of year as session is get, getting uh, is in full swing. Of course, you are also the chair of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. Give us an update on just overall, how are things going at the state house? I mean, there's uh, we've seen some headlines, but so far this year doesn't seem to be as um, making national headlines controversial as the year before the year before that. You know, it, it, there's always the some good, some bad, and you really hope to get more good than bad. And, you know, one of the things I also want to let people know, that good and bad, it's not just about passing bills, but sometimes it's about stopping very bad bills. Mm -hmm. So we've had a mixture of that this year. I mean, we've had things that were good, like the uh, 13th check. You know, this was something that was taken away. Democrats were not for this, but House Bill 1004 brought back the 13th check. And that's, you know, something that I know a lot of people are happy of. I just, uh, uh, Representative Blake Johnson and I have a podcast called Session Sessions. And we were talking about this, and I told the story that I had someone at a funeral that came up to me because they were unhappy about losing the 13th check before. Now tell so us, for, for, folks who, for folks who don't know, tell us what the 13th check is. 
It's for retirees, and it's that additional, you know, you get your check, and it just adds in another additional check just to add in a little bit of help and support. Um, And it may not be a big amount, but for some people, a little amount means a lot. You know, you you kind of count on that and look for that, and when it was taken away, it caused some people some stress. And it was something that we'd never done before as a state. So I'm glad we were able to keep that promise to our public uh, retirees and give them back that additional 13th check. What's something you guys have been really trying to push this year and get through? Well, so as the, the Black Caucus, we have a theme uh, every year. So this year, our theme focuses on housing. So it's fair housing, fair futures. And it's related to not only ownership of homes, but also rental. So we have different bills that are in place. Um, I'll tell you about mine. I had the, the one I offered up for our agenda was House Bill 1176 which has to do with investment of ownership of single-family residences. One of the things that's happening in the country, and I remember seeing and learning about this in California at a conference years ago, and it's spread across as you have big major companies, hedge funds that are worth millions and millions of dollars, are coming into cities, buying up houses, and really creating unfair competition with the rest of us who want to buy a house because they can walk in and offer the owner cash and basically say, I'm going to pay you this much for your house. Don't worry about doing anything. Just take your stuff and go. And it's causing issues in the sense that it's taking away the the American dream from individuals. They can't buy a house because they're being outbid. And then those those companies that are buying the houses, they're either reselling them at inflated costs or they're renting them at inflated costs. So it causes both homeowners and renters issues. And I've had some people who've said, well, why would you take away the ability for someone to own houses, you know, I own five and that's part of my income. Well, five houses is not going to be affected by this. There's a $50 million. If you're making, if your company and you have that much value, then you have to sell off 10% every year. And it also creates uh, through some fees that you get a housing down payment fund. So people can use that access or access those funds in terms of getting money for down payments, but it's about getting it back into home ownership back into individual families. Um, and I'll add one other point. When you talk about increasing them coming in and offering above what the price is, if you are in that neighborhood and half the neighborhood is owned by a company and the value of all those houses have gone up by 20%, let's say, that's going to raise up the value and the property taxes of everybody else in the neighborhood. So that's another financial issue that it can cause. What is, um, what is one of the, the biggest uh, things that you're hearing uh, from the people, obviously, you you hear from people all over the state, but particularly your area, Northwest Indiana. But a lot of that we hear in uh, from listeners and residents in Central Indiana. What's one of the things that people are are telling you all you need to pay attention to X? Well, and it, it kind of related to what our theme is is property taxes. You know, we know, and this was a statewide issue, but property taxes became a big issue. I was doing, you know, we send out surveys. And then I read those surveys and I write letters and notes back to people. And I'm telling you, property taxes was a constant thing for my district is, can you do something about property taxes? Can we decrease them? Because they went up some 16 to 18%. And if you're someone that has owned your home, paid it off, and you're on a fixed income because you're retired, and then your property taxes go up and you now can't afford your home, that to me is a, a tragedy. And that's not something that should happen to people. So property taxes has been a lot of that, uh, what we've talked about, or a lot of people I've heard from up here talk about we need some help with. We'll go to the phones here in just a second, 317-634-1075, 317-634-1075. Representative, what are you hearing uh, about uh, school funding? That was a big topic, particularly last year with more vouchers going to private schools, which are traditionally schools that, I mean, they are schools that cost money, and traditionally people who have uh, more money can send their kid to a private, more exclusive school. But uh, laws have been changed to um, allow even m- people who have more money to then get a voucher to send their kids to these <clears throat> schools when those vouchers were really for people with less income to send their kids yeah. to a private school. You know, that's such a that's such a uh, on-target point you just made is the – Intent was to help people that had lower income, and it's be it's changed and it's become something that 
you can make $200,000 and you can still get a voucher to send your child to school. Um, I want, if I remember the number correctly, with the change that was made, I believe only 9% of Indiana of Hoosiers don't qualify for vouchers. That tells you how high and how much an impact that's happening. And it's a detriment to public schools, which have really been and still are the foundation of education in this country. So let me take that number and flip it. You said 9% of Indiana is ineligible for a voucher, which is to help low-income people, right? Yeah, so that means that... That means 91% of people in Indiana, we know 91% of Indiana is not low-income, but 91% of Indiana can get a low-income voucher. Right. And that's the point. It's again, it was built, uh, designed to help low income, but now you have people that are making good money that can now get additional tax money to pay for their child to go to their school of choice as opposed to those funds staying in the public school system. That's an issue for us as a society. And it's an issue, obviously, that makes public school, um, running public schools harder and then we've done some other things that have just made it harder on public schools. Um, and you look at up here where I am, and I represent East Chicago, Gary and Hammond. You know, Gary and what's happened with education and the impact of um, non-public schools on the, on the schools, way school system is run here in Gary or in Gary has been a problem. So we've caused a lot of problems that we hopefully will correct over time. But, you know, it's going to be a fight to get those things back to where they should be. Getting ready to go to the phones, 317-634-1075, 317-634-1075. On the air this morning with State Representative Earl Harris, Jr., who is also the chair of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus, uh, representative one of the biggest bills that's made headlines in Indianapolis uh, this session has been uh, everything to do with public transit and Blue Line. There are two bills that we've talked about on this show when it comes to that. One, a bill that would... Um, ban free rides from public transportation on election day and then a second bill um, that is to derail um, the blue line rapid transit bus system that the voters in marion county voted for can you give us an update on either of those two and what and what the black legislative caucus has done or said in regards to those uh bills so what I want to say first is I'm I'm a state representative for House District 2, which is in northwest Indiana. Mm-hmm. I was not elected to be on the Indianapolis City Council, and we continue to get engaged in those local issues mm-hmm. that we should not be. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about taking away, you know, free riding on Election Day, we also should do whatever we can to make sure people get out and vote. And to some degree, that's a little bit of, um, a negative for people in minority communities that maybe don't have transportation, maybe it's harder, so now we're taking that away. We should really not be engaging in those type of practices. We should do things to help make sure that all people in the state are able to vote. And again, we should not be getting engaged in things that are really things for the mayor and the council of Indianapolis to work on, not people like I who live two and a half hours away should not be engaging into those issues. And so I, hopefully we, that we'll learn and stop doing that local integration that we should not be involved with. And I, and I think people, you know, there are a lot of bills that sometimes that um, relate to what happens in Indianapolis does relate to East Chicago and Hammond and Gary. But to your exact point, why is someone who lives in, I don't know, uh, Wayne County uh, next to Ohio or uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a county next to Michigan, deciding what only Indianapolis can do. As you just said, that's not what the legislature is supposed to do. You guys are a group of the state, but not to pick on one particular city and decisions being made by people who don't even live here. Well, and it's a Democrat-run city, which you kind of wonder how much impact that has. I mean, you look at one of the bills we dealt with also is 1199. So last year we created economic enhancement districts which are related to the mile square in downtown Indy. And this year we've come back and we're micromanaging and trying to take away that thing that we just gave. And that really helps out downtowns. I mean, it makes them cleaner, safer. It brings in residents. We had a lot, I'm on ways and means, and we had a lot of conversation about this. But that's the case of something we did last year, and now a year later we decide, no, we're going to take that away. I mean, that also does not make sense to me. You know, that's disheartening 
that the party in power wants to have that much control over Indianapolis. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we all know this, Indianapolis being the capital and what's, you know, like the NBA all-star game. We've had, there's been a Super Bowl in there. There's lots of things that happen. That's a big economic driver. And we should not do things that make that harder uh, to happen and that success to be harder in Indianapolis. All right, let's go to the phones. Folks have been calling, waiting patiently, 317-634-1075, 317-634-1075. On the phone this morning with Representative Earl Harris Jr. from the State House, letting us know what is happening there as session is underway. Let's start at the top. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? How you doing, Cameron? Good morning, Larry. You, you know, it is so uh, clown-like to watch the performance of, of our uh, black senators on the floor of the Senate. They know that they don't have any authority. And those uh, people like uh, Speaker Houston, if you want to see how a beatdown goes, go over to and watch some of the sessions in the House of Representatives. You see him using that gavel to beat, bash their heads in and keep them in order. But the, uh, the job of the majority is to make up arbitrary rules and extinguish the minority. That's what they're doing. That's the way it works. It don't work like here in Indianapolis where uh, Bob's in control of the city council. And for as Eddie Milton, the guy's coming on there now, he should be embarrassed when you look at Gary, where he comes from, and how he has legislated against those people and destroyed them. Eddie Milton did the same thing. Now he's the mayor of uh, the lowest murder capital of the United States. I would be embarrassed to come with that kind of information. Any bills that they allow the Democrats to bring to the floor or even get out of committee, you can bet it's some kind of derogatory thing for their own people. They're over there, Cameron, giving permission for them to destroy black people, to destroy their businesses. They're talking about uh, being efficient with these electric cars and so forth. Yeah, and restricting travel. They can do it because they already got their money, right? He makes seventy grand for just being on the Senate. It's a gravy train to him because he knows he's an impotent over there. But anyway, they're talking about this uh, metro and so forth. All that is is the most racist thing I've ever seen because it's telling me, Larry Vine, you cannot conduct your business. You cannot travel on uh, Thomas thoroughfares and do your business the way I enjoyed. I enjoyed that amenity when I was building my business, but you can't have that. He's discriminating against everybody, and the people over the state house. I'm not worried about it because Speaker Houston said it's going right on through, and it's going to stop this insanity of restricting our our transportation here in this city. I just praise the Lord because uh, it's the state of Indiana, and our General Assembly has complete jurisdiction over any uh, city or town. So I'm glad they do because look at the leadership even here in Indianapolis. They put a black face on their foolishness and right, surrender. Larry. That's what they do. Thank you, I'm sir. I'm embarrassed of that guy you got in there now. He's real embarrassed. But, uh-huh. the, hey, but the real embarrassment is Greg Taylor. <laughs> a fucking clown. All right. Thank you, Larry. 317-634-1075. 317-634-1075. Uh, let's go to the caller on line three. Good morning and live on the air. Who's this? Greetings, Cameron. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Uh, greetings to your guests and greetings to everybody. I just have a couple of things uh, that I would want the representative to respond to. Uh, could you give uh, some more information uh, for people that are on Section 8 and how the government uh, supplies them with funds uh, to buy, to become homeowners, even on Section 8? And secondly, um <clears throat> I just wanted to say, you know, it's great that you guys, people of color, are, are involved in politics and different things. It's unfortunate that you guys are not coming together uh, to do something actually for the people, uh, meaning that the government knows uh, people that are uh, disabled, uh, people on welfare. They know what their income is. So you guys uh, set these uh, price. I mean, set the uh, a payroll. Say a person that makes fifteen hundred, uh, and then you set the stage for fourteen ninety nine, which makes that person not qualify. So, if you guys have this information, then how does it work for us when we know for a fact that you guys are the ones that are setting the tone for us to function under? 
So in other words, how does it how is it fair to us when you have a white corporation coming in, buying up all the property and doing all these different things? I don't want to I don't want to go into uh, uh, what's really going on. But what I'm what I'm saying is to you, brothers and sisters that do represent us, can y'all represent us just a little bit better? I mean, to where it's beneficial to us and not necessarily beneficial to you, because as Larry says, we all know that you guys have to go in and play a game and you have to play by their rules. When are you guys are going to get enough uh, 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 gumption to say, hey, you know what? This is not treating anybody fairly. And this is what we need to do. All right, Paul, let him answer. All right. Thank you for your call. There's these two last few calls have been a lot to unpack. So I'm going to dive in here. Uh, One of the things that, you know, the whole attempted argument that we as a black caucus don't do anything to fight for black people to fight for minorities is not true. Our agenda shows a lot about that. Um, Legislation that we've gotten passed shows a lot about that. And what most people don't know is there's a lot of things that don't happen on the floor. There's a lot of meetings, conversations. Excuse me. We as the Black Caucus every year, we meet with the governor and the four leaders of the caucuses, you know, Democrat and Republican, to go over our agenda and stress the importance of these things. And so we are constantly fighting. When you look at things we, we author, when you look at amendments, when you look at those conversations, outreach, we do fight for minority communities. Um, when you look at, I'll talk about a bill I passed last year that has to do with 21st century scholars and providing funding for um, college. We know that a lot of minority, a lot of black and, black and brown students will be automatically enrolled in that that are missed out on the opportunity to get an education because the funds weren't there. So when you look at those type of initiatives, we actually have an increase in the amount of black mayors in the, uh, in the state. And we actually have a resolution to honor that. So I I mean, we could go on and on and on and talk about this. There's a lot of things that maybe people don't see that we're doing that we are doing. I'm not saying we're always successful, but believe me, we do fight hard to make sure that black and Brown communities are taken care of. My district is a predominant black and Brown district. And so of course, if I don't, if I'm not fighting for things that aren't related to, the people that I represent, I would not get reelected. So it's, it's interesting to hear people talk when they don't necessarily know all the story and everything that goes in. And our housing initiative this year, a lot of that is focused on that. I mean, we even have a bill that Cherith Pryor from Indianapolis, Representative Pryor authored, which has to do with discrimination and appraisal practices. And this comes out of, it was a national story of a black woman uh, in Indiana who had her house appraised and she had up pictures of her family, mm-hmm. African things up. And then she thought it was too low. And then she had a white friend come in, took out everything that represented black. And all of a sudden the appraisal was higher. And so that's a specific thing that's aimed at black and brown communities because not have, having an appraisal lower and having the value of your house, if you're going to go sell it or you're going to do some side of, side of financing, that has a huge impact on black and brown communities that their houses are coming in at a lower cost than it should be. Got another call, 317-634-1075, 317-634-1075. On the phone with Indiana Rep- State Representative Earl Harris, Jr., caller on line four. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? All right. How you doing, Cameron? Brother M.O. Tip here, and thanks for my call, Rep. State Senator Harris. Thank you. From my area, I'm born and raised in Gary. I know Mr. Uh, Eddie Melton, very good man. He just got the job in Gary. And so uh, I've already noted there's foreign investment coming in. I've met some foreigners up there. I have to have the God sisters involved in the, uh, the uh, administration up there. So we'll see a lot different. I thoroughly disagree with both of those gentlemen on that topic when they called. I know exactly what you all do. If they read their monthly newsletters that came out, I get mine from Cherish Pryor and Greg Taylor every month, which is my state senator and Cherish Pryor, my state representative. If they read those every month, Matter of fact, in the emails, and they would know exactly what you all are proposing, what you all are doing. Uh, uh, I've been here enough. I've been here long enough that the black mentality here, Brother Harris, is totally different than anywhere around the country. And I've lived and traveled all over. They are totally different. So don't take it personal. Trust me, mm-hmm. they are. Uh, he's totally wrong about 
the goal of what the majority does. That's not right. We can tell he has had any civic education because, according to Ben Franklin, one of the early authors of the Constitution, Ben Franklin said the majority should never trample on the rights of the minority. And actually, the majority is supposed to ensure that the rights of the minorities are are protected and kept. So we can tell they haven't read any science and civics manuals. Uh, I would ask you, uh, what what is your opinion of this this bill to have underage people working, uh, uh, dropping age people working in daycares, which seems to be child exploitation of child yeah. child labor. And then number two, how can we get that mixture? How can the state house get that road mixture change back to the proper mission? Because I was up there a few years back, and I read an article from um, from uh, uh, the, one of the main contractors, uh, uh, road contractors up there. The name loses me right now. But he said the problem was, was the mixture, the mixture that these roads are being built on. When you come through Indianapolis and go through Lebanon, what they redid right now, that is total solid concrete. It is fantastic through there. You can tell they put time, effort, money, and logistics in that. That's what the most of these roads can be built of. So how can we get that mixture back right? Because the crumbling roads is a direct result. Reith Riley, that's what it was. It was the CEO of Reith Riley. Reith Riley said it was the mixture. Yeah, he said it was the mixture. You let him curse. You know he cursed at the end, Larry did, right? He let he cursed at the end. He called. Well, I bleeped it, but apparently it didn't work, and he no, disappointed. No, through. That's not yeah, right, well, Cameron. Now that's not right. Now, come on, now we don't do that. He can't. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. And well, I'm talking real structural stuff here. What about the roads, Mr. Harris, and the labor laws? And thank you for representing our district. Thank you. Well, I wasn't cutting you off. You were just going long, and just like I wrapped him up, and yes, he did cuss, but I did bleep it, but apparently it still got through. Thanks for pointing it out again. Representative Harris, uh, to you. So I, I wanna, I'm i going to paraphrase because I forget her exact verbiage, but Representative Vanessa Summers, in, in reference to the child home care, said something along the lines of, we should never take away the the protections that are put on our young people and i cannot and she's correct um we you know some changes happened here in the first half that that are related to home care and certifications and number of kids you know i believe as someone else it might have been vanessa or someone else made a comment about a seven to one ratio is not a good ratio um and are we setting ourselves up for an issue to happen at a home where deregulation happened and a child or children get injured and that's a horrible thing and we really don't want that to happen so I, that's a step backwards that i hope doesn't actually go through on the second half i'll point out one of the things to keep in mind is that every bill that passes in the house in the first half or the senate in the first half not all of them are heard in the other house at the switchover the other thing is Sometimes bills that go through can go through some changes to make them better. So hopefully bills that are heard that are bad, will, whichever house it lands on, will be able to do some good things and make it a better situation in the second half. Or, again, just kill the bill and it just goes away. And hopefully we never see, it never sees the light of day again. All right, let me get another call. 317-634-1075 before we wrap up for our next segment. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello, this is Terry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What's on your mind? Uh, a couple of things, sir. Uh, Senator, thank you for being there, and thank you for your representation. I'm sure it's difficult with the extreme imbalance in the House and the Senate here in the state. So continue representing the best you can, you and those in, in the Democratic caucus. Um, thank you. You're welcome. And I hope that... Um, before you go off the air, you have a chance to tell people listening um, about this coming Tuesday, what they can do, what they might be able to help by showing up and showing support. Uh, Cameron, uh, about uh, the caller a couple of callers ago, Larry's extremist. He tries to get people to react, I believe. And to me, he went long. And if he ever says to you all that it's about freedom of speech. His freedom should not be blocking our ability to get on the air because he goes along and because he's extremist. Thank you. Have a good day. Representative to you. Yeah. Thank you for talking about, thank you, Carla, for talking about support. Because one of the things I like to, I always want to make sure I tell people, even especially up here where we're a little ways away, 
is you can get involved and engaged in the process of lawmaking when bills are, well, even before bills are heard in committee, can reach out to representatives and senators to stress this is a good bill, hear it in community, or this is a horrible bill, don't. And even when bills are heard in uh, committee, that's the point where the public can show up at the state house and voice their support of or be against, depending on what kind of bill it is. And if people can't make it, because I receive these, and I know the others do as well, we receive emails and letters. So it's, you know, the, the state house is the people's house. We always want to encourage people to show up and be part of the process because we represent you. And as I tell people, you voted us into office. If we're not doing what we're supposed to do, you can vote us out of office. <clears throat> so we should always want to hear from the people we represent. And I always encourage that that is something that people get engaged with in terms of the process. So as we go into, you know, we really are in Monday is the final reading in the House on uh, third reading on bill. So basically, if a bill survives by Monday, it continues on. If it doesn't, it's dead. We're going to start the process all over um, as starting next week. And so it'll be a great time for people to look at bills that made it and see what engagement they'd like to have and what bills they'd like to show up and talk in support of or talk against. All right. One more call. Representative uh, caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Is it me? It's you. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, here's my quick question. One of my main problems with 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 uh, representatives that are African American that represent us, we never seem to have a, co- a cohesive sort of like, hey, here are the things that will get done for the black community. <clears throat> we don't focus on the community of black people, so there is no set agenda. Every other community has a, an agenda. The Jewish community has an agenda. The Hispanic community has an agenda. For black people, we never seem to have these are the three things. If we don't do nothing else that we will do for the black community. And I want to understand why is there no like cohesive blueprint <laughs> that is ever put mm-hmm. together that speaks to our needs. That's well, it. Hold on. Don't hang up. What's your name? Oh, Dana. Dana. Okay. Don't hang up. So I think there's, I, I hear what you are saying, <clears throat> but I think there's two different things going on. The, the caucus that the representative who's on the phone literally chairs does exactly that. But I think what you're saying is even beyond politics, other um, races and groups are just more in unison. So in this case, it's I feel like there's I don't I don't know what there's what the disconnect is. But I think what you're saying, there seems to be a disconnect with what people are saying and what people are are doing. But there is literally an organization that does just that. And that's what his caucus does. Active voter, I vote every year, every every situation. I, mm-hmm. I I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. I volunteer. I do all the things, all the things. I just moved to Marion County from Hendricks County. Mm-hmm. I see it, I see a difference, mm-hmm. right? In terms mm-hmm. of services and what's going on. Even our roads are a mess out here versus where I came from. Just the whole thing. But and that's not even like a, a main point. But my point is, as a person who is engaged, and I'm old, mm-hmm. I feel like I do not know the top three things. Like, can I read them off? Can I spit them out? I think that de- the Democratic Party in general has a, a has an issue with messaging. Mm-hmm. You can get those mag mm-hmm. people who can tell you all day long what stuff they're talking about. I have no Correct. idea what it is. But for us, it's not put out there to us in a way that's easily that's something that we can sort of like speak to and say, hey, here's what they're fighting for on our behalf, and here's where we need to be. Like, I just, for me, and I'm telling you, I vote, and I'm involved, and I, I do the things. And so I don't even know. I just know what I'm for and what I'm against. But as a messaging unit, I don't know that the Democratic Party, I'm talking about the president. Well, I don't think know, most oh, yeah. I don't think most people would disagree with that. I think Republicans are far better. They're just far better messengers than than Democrats. I mean, I, I think that's pretty much an even um, assessment for most people. But I guess the question is, how how do we get a person like you who is who is involved and is paying attention to connect? Like, have you ever heard of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus? Dana? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Black in Indiana Black Legislative Caucus? I have heard of them. I mean, I, again, to me, I don't know, man. I watch the news every day. I, I, I vote every cycle. 
I don't. I can't say the top three things that I, I know that they're working on on my behalf. Like I couldn't. So, like, so the guy, so the guy who's in charge of that is on the phone. So, representative, do you hear what she's saying? How do we close yeah. that gap of what you do every day and what she's saying she's not hearing? Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna agree with you on. It. So, in my other life, I do television, video production. So, communication is a big thing for me. Um, and I hate to say it, but I have to agree with you. We as Democrats get out messaged by Republicans constantly. And that's a challenge that we're working on. I mentioned earlier in the show, I don't know if you heard it, a um, podcast that Representative Blake Johnson and I do. You know, he's Indianapolis. I'm up here in Northwest Indiana called Session Sessions. And part of that is, the, and it's a video podcast. Uh, you can look it up on, you know, your, your Apple things and on YouTube. And part of that has to do with he and I believe we need to message better about things we're working on as Democrats. So I 100% agree with you. Um, we do have, I don't know if you sign up for this, but your, the reps and senators, you can get on an email list so you get updates on things happening. And then we as the Black Caucus do have a uh, Facebook page, and I'm still calling it Twitter, uh, Twitter page where we update and post things that we're working on and share things that are going on. I'm going to give a phone number, if I may, mm -hmm. um, because I know we're running out of time. Yep. But for people like our caller that wants to be engaged, uh, the Indianapolis Black Legislative Caucus phone number at the State House is 317-232-9827. Again, that's 317-232-9827. So we're doing some things to communicate. I won't tell you that we're perfect because, you know, we're not. We're human. Uh, there's always things we can do better, but maybe we're not reaching people in all the ways we can. And I'm more than happy to take suggestions on other ways and other outreaches. We've been having that conversation. So we're looking at doing improvements, but as a person like you caller that's in the community, and as you said, you've come to Indianapolis, I'm happy to hear suggestions on some other things we do. Oh, I'll also tell you, and I know again, we're running out of time, during the off session, we do town halls all over the state. And so the Black Caucus, you know, we, we always start in Indianapolis and then we end up here but we'll be in Evansville. We'll be in South Bend. I mean, we'll choose the cities we hit because that we also see as a way to reach out to the community. Representative Earl Harris Jr., the music is playing. Thank you so much for coming on the show and letting us know this is this is part of the conversation that we have to have. The, that's the whole point of, of having you on is to let people know that you guys are here. You do exist. That uh there is an organization that is doing the things that people are looking for. We just got to listen to see what they're doing and keep following uh, to see what happens throughout the session, not only this year, but every year. Correct. Correct. And again, please, uh, thank you again for having me on, Cameron. And please, everyone, get engaged, get involved. Remember, we represent you. All right. More open lines coming up next as we talk about politics. Talk to somebody who wants to get into all of this craziness. Why does she want to do that? We'll ask her. We'll find out who Raven Rigel is and why she wants to have the name state senator, the title, I should say, in front of her name. More open lines coming up next here on 106.7 WTLC and the new Hot 100.9. We're back here on Open Lines on 106.7 WTLC on this Sunday morning and Hot 100.9. A couple of notes for you. Uh, this coming from our good friend, Michelle Hayes, who wants everybody to know that there is a community day at the State House this week. 
uh, that is a chance for people to get out, be proactive and find out what is going on. And also, Nichelle, I promised you I would shout this out the other day. There is the power and impact of the black press. It is happening Tuesday, February 6th from 7 to 830. It's in person at the Eugene America, Maryland Glick, Indiana History Center for Center 450 West Ohio Street. It's a chance for you to join some prominent historians in a panel discussion on the importance of black newspapers to construct the historical narrative. The panelists will examine advocacy, uh, grace, history of the newspaper, power of the black press, including the Christian Recorder, the Indianapolis Freeman, the Indianapolis Colored Word, and the Indianapolis Recorder. For those of you who like history and like to know what's going on in the news, you find out how it all blends together because the news becomes history. You find out the power of that impact of the black press and what has been done. That's Tuesday this week, February 6th, 7 o'clock, 450 West Ohio Street here in downtown Indianapolis. A lot of places to go find out information. Thank you, Nichelle Hayes, for being a resource to us to let us know what is going on. All right. In this crazy world of politics, um, it is, well, it's crazy. And for a lot of people, it's like, hey, that's something I don't want to be involved in at all. Nothing ever gets done. It's a bunch of fighting. You pass this bill, this guy comes over and takes that bill away. Then if you, you know, you can be a city councilor, but then the state house overrules you. And then if you're a, a state senator, now you've got to pass bills for your state. And then if you're a United States senator, now you've got to pass bills that undo what the state legislature did. And for a lot of people, it's, I don't want no parts of that. But there is a person who wants all parts. She wants all the smoke. As she is uh, wanting you to put your name on a paper that would be a petition to help her become Indiana's first black woman U.S. senator in Washington. You know, there's only two others. One of them's name was Kamala Harris, who's now the vice president. There's never been more than three. The list of U.S. senators who are black women has only ever made it to two. Could be three, maybe four come this election year. But the person who's sitting in this room's name is Raven Rigel, and she would like the title United States Senator from Indiana in front of her name. She joins us in studio right now to introduce herself and tell you why she wants you to sign a petition so that she can become a person who's on a ballot. Raven, good morning. Thank you for coming, waking up on a Sunday morning to be with us. Now, after all that craziness that we just heard, uh, with the back and forth of what's going on at the state house, why would you want to become a United States senator? Yeah, so I will say this, Cameron. I have been doing work around the state and around this country for more than a decade, right? Although I might be young, I've been in this space pretty much all of my life. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, there comes a time when you recognize we are no longer just fighting for votes or we are no longer just fighting for equal pay. We are fighting for our existence. And as someone who can speak to the housing crisis because I've been unhoused, as someone who can speak to the healthcare crisis because I've lost family members and witnessed community members be destroyed because of environmental racism and implicit bias in healthcare and witness people People driving an hour and 15 minutes to go see a doctor I can speak to that as someone who has also been able to travel the world and been in many spaces even with Vice President Harris and many others because of education because our, our democracy is much stronger when we invest in that system I knew that it was no longer time to just be behind the scenes I needed to get up and get in front and tell people hey I'm here but most importantly if I'm here you can be here as well and you should be in fact you need to be because we need to get out on this battlefield so you've been in politics as you said you know I, i've known you for some time working behind the scenes over at yeah. the state house with the indiana black legislative caucus and yes. the other initiatives and community organizations you do so yes i know you have been in this um and so you've seen it up close you've yeah. seen obviously your lived experience but you've seen what happens behind the scenes um the State House is one thing. City Council is one thing. The United States Senate is a whole nother thing. It is. Um, why did you decide that that's where you want to go? 
Well, because if I'm being transparent, we are in a year where that is one of the most important places to be. Mm-hmm. Um, where our Congress is going to go in the next two years will dictate what will happen for the remainder of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And with the majority of individuals in those spaces not representing me because they don't look like me, they're not from my community, I figured it was time to get out there so that I can get in that space and advocate for my community. It's time. We need more young people. As a millennial, we need more young people. Mm -hmm. We need more people of color. And we need more people with lived experience in that seat because our country will change forever if we do not take this opportunity. As I said, you would be one of few, and I do mean few. Very few. African-American, women, and and then, of course, the combination. Uh, There's more... Um, black women in this room right now than there are actually in the Senate. Yeah. What do people need to do? I guess, let me first ask, what is the next step for you? How do you get your name on a ballot? It's an election year. There's a seat open with our United States Senator Braun, who is running for Indiana governor. As I look at the TV and see uh, governor commercials running right now, that created an opportunity for you. What happens next? Well, to be on the ballot in Indiana, you need 4,500 signatures, 500 from each of the nine congressional districts. And so you need to get your petition signatures in. They have to be in by February 6th at noon. They have to be certified so that you can get on the ballot. And so if you're interested in being a petition circulator these last two days or signing a petition, go to Raven for Senate, R-A-E-V-E-N-F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E dot com. Raven for Senate on all social media so that we can get your name on those petitions and that will be the first step Mm -hmm. the second step is of course running in the race and the beauty of this is because it is a statewide race Mm -hmm. we get to travel and talk to everybody Mm -hmm. and we get to go to those dark places and shine a little bit of a light and say hey i know it feels so dark Mm -hmm. but you see this light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. come on let's go So this just gives you a chance to even get in the race, literally. This is a chance for you to compete, to get on the ballot. This is, um, obviously, there's a a May primary here in Indiana, which will determine a lot. And then the general election this November, which we will vote for president. We will vote for a new governor. We will vote for new senators. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're asking for your name to be on that list of senator, no. Senate candidates. Don't make the word harder than it has to be, Cameron. It's just Senate <laughs> candidates uh, this November. So you need people to sign a petition. How can yes. they do that? Yes. So go to ravenforsenate.com. You will have locations. You will have information. Of course, just call us. The information is on that website so that we can get it to you. And this is one of those things that it's literally signing a physical paper. It's, it is signing a physical it's, paper. It's the old school list of old school. Yes, and and that is one of those reasons why we had to put our name in this space because a lot of the methods are inaccessible, mm-hmm. and we need somebody to say this is inaccessible. How how many numbers do you have so far? I can't give you that number right now. How many do you how many do you have to have? What was the forty five hundred? Forty five hundred. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh three one seven six three four one zero seven five three one seven six three four one zero seven five. Some folks calling to talk to you. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? Oh, wait. Let me turn it on. Caller on line one. Let's try that again. Who's this? Hey, I'm sorry, Cameron, for what happened. But in any way, this no, is why No, we... no, 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 no. I don't... You're giving me... Y'all are giving me a headache. We're going to talk another day, Larry. Okay. Uh, not, not today. Not today. I got... I only had a couple mm-hmm. sips of coffee, and I don't have time for that. Um, you know, the thing... I don't, We're not going to derail this and talk about Larry. The thing with Larry is you don't got to give him more attention, which is what a couple of you guys did. And that's what he craves. Moving on. Um, 317-634-1075. In the next two days, you got a lot to do. Yeah. We're not that. We we are a couple hundred short. Couple hundred short? Okay. So this feels attainable. Very much so. Okay. Now let me go back to the phones. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? You live on open lines. Hello? Oh, I think I hung up on him. It's okay, because we're getting to the end of the show. That's my bad. Um, it's a website. People need to go to a website to find yeah. you uh, 
a location. So are you all across the state with people who have yeah. these petitions? Yes. Yeah, so okay. we've actually been traveling. These last two weeks have been the back-to-back -back traveling, which is a, a new space, right? We went to... ISU, Purdue, Bloomington, we went to Fort Wayne, South Bend, Lake County, we've been in Hamilton County. So we've we've essentially touched all of our nine districts mm -hmm. and we've had people collecting. I wanna give a special shout out to the individuals who've had my back. There's so many of them, I don't wanna name them, but you know who you are. Mm -hmm. I wanna also give a shout out to the student ambassadors because it was super important to me as someone who has been a student ambassador on campaigns mm -hmm. to go back where I started. And and my students have been tremendous. Okay. Right. So I want to highlight them as well. And I also want to say that we have to get in the game. I know that it seems discouraging at times. And I want to remind you that as long as we are alive, we are not defeated. Mm -hmm. And we can do this together, but we cannot wait. So are there places um, that you can tell us right now? that people who are in Indianapolis, central Indiana can meet today to find where to sign a petition? Yes, so you can find me, more than likely I'll be at Cleo's Bodega today, this okay. afternoon, and I will be there at noon. Okay. Yeah. So right after church, mm -hmm. you can swing by Cleo's Bodega over yeah. on MLK and meet Raven, talk to you, find out what you're about. But you also said there's a website there as well website. to find other places because you're going to be doing this today, tomorrow. tomorrow. And it, what is there? What is the cutoff on Tuesday? For us, it's, well, the cutoff is at noon on Tuesday. On Tuesday. For us, we're trying to have our last few signatures tomorrow. Okay. and you, But you got to have that in the building yeah, at the State House by noon on Tuesday. You got to have it certified in all of the county individuals. So it, it cannot just be the State House. It has to be at the respective places around the state. Okay. Okay. So you do have some work to do. We do. All right. We do. We're further than what people think we are. I believe it. I believe it. It sounds like it's attainable. And oh, the phone lines are still ringing, but we got to go. We got to wrap this thing up because uh, Al Sharpton called me last week. He didn't appreciate that I took two minutes from his show. And I told Al that I would have it wrapped up on time uh, this week. And Brandon wants to start his show on time today on Hot 100.9 as well. We'll be back same time, same station next Sunday at 8 o'clock here on WTLC and on 100.9. If you missed any portion of this show or any show, they are uploaded to wherever it is you get your podcast right after uh, the show. We're going to stay on top of what's happening at the State House. We're going to continue to follow uh, Raven's journey and see what she is up to. We'll be looking on Tuesday to see if your name is officially uh, with the Secretary of State's office to get you on the ballot for the May primary which is coming up quicker than you think because it is already February. February is already off and running. So I will be voting for the president, for the governor, for state senators, for some um, other local races. We got the mayor in and some city county council members in, but uh, now it is the big election time. And we're in the uh, studio right now with somebody who could not just make local history, statewide history, but a national history. And so she says she'll be over at Cleo's Bodega today at noon to get those signatures. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. I'll be back tomorrow morning starting at 5 a.m. on CBS 4 and at 4 a.m. on Fox 59. We'll see you back here next Sunday, live at 8.